Well, hello everybody and welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, watch a story nominated by a friend. They've also chosen their favourite things about each episode and I have to guess what those might be. Um, hello, uh, I'm Richard James, <clears throat> uh, actor, writer, uh, podcast co-host uh, of the Jerry Anderson podcast, and uh, I have a story for Toby. I've chosen The Visitation from season 19, starring uh, Peter Davison as the Doctor. My Doctor, as it happens. Well, welcome everybody. It is part two of The Visitation. The first voice you heard there belonged to Richard James star of Space Precinct and much else besides, and also a podcaster uh, on the uh, Jerry Anderson podcast that he uh, co-hosts. He's uh, He knows his Jerry Anderson, and he knew Jerry Anderson, and he's been in a Jerry Anderson series, and he wrote an excellent book on Space Precinct that I can thoroughly recommend uh, if you get the chance. Um, I'm delighted that he's a guest, uh, although he did not choose the prologue for part one of the visitation so am i going to get anywhere close to the things he guesses as we go through this uh, what we would term back in the day as a pseudo historical uh, story set in the past but with alien uh, content which uh, is to differentiate from the historicals which of course had been phased out with the highlanders so uh, had gone before i was born but were just about to reappear uh, very shortly uh, in the shape of uh, Black Orchid, which comes imminently. However, uh, this visit to the Plast has a pleasing amount of, well, we've seen a laser beams and an android, and now we're about to see uh, the Terraleptils, who are, well, will they prove to be the highlight, or he proved to be the highlight of episode two? Well, let's find out. I'm watching on BritBox, and I'm going to watch from the beginning... Alexa, connect. Modern tech, modern technology is uh, is proving slightly tedious uh, tonight as I watch this. So I might just drop the sonic device and kick it to death myself. Anyway. We are going to watch on BritBox from the beginning. I do have the DVD. I also have the Blu-ray, but uh, I'm being I'm being convenient. I know it's that's modern technology, isn't it? It's such a slep to go over to the shelf and take a disc out of a thing and put it in a thing and then press the source. Anyway, no, I'm doing it this way. It's easier and I'm lazy. And anyway, the film looks gorgeous. So I'm going to watch part two, which of which I first watched this on a black and white portable telly that you have to, had to get up and fiddle with the aerial, especially on a night like tonight, where the picture would be going all over the place, and twist a dial, negotiating snowstorms of static uh, to get from one channel to the other to try and get the best signal. Uh, no, not even a button, a dial to, 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 to sort of uh, you know, search through the, the hazy wilderness, the pixelated wilderness, to get to something resembling uh, a, a stable picture. Oh, I'm so from the olden days. Right, we're going to press watch from the beginning in three, 
two, one. I mean, presumably people in the future might listen to this and go, what, he had to talk to his insert name of female audio device uh, here. Um, uh, they had to speak to them in those days. What Couldn't they just think what volume they wanted things to be at and the volume adjusted according to your brain patterns? Well, I'm afraid where I'm speaking from in 2022, future people, yeah, it's uh, it's voice control. It seemed to be pretty flipping nifty. Eric Sayward, I used to think... I, I, it's a funny name, Sayward, I, and I certainly uh, used to think it was pronounced Sawward. Uh, until I saw a documentary about a true crime, uh, and uh, the, you know one of the people involved was called Sayward, uh, and then I interviewed Colin Baker, and he pronounced it Sayward. Uh, but yeah, I was I very much thought it was Saw Ward. Um, and there's a Helen Doward, isn't there, who's in Speared from Space as the nurse, and I thought she was Helen Dor Ward. Um, but there we go. I'm, yeah, I tend to be pretty good at names because uh, because mine is so often mangled and mispronounced but no I, I i saw ward i've done a whole podcast about mispronunciations that uh, one of my one of the early indefinable magics i thought was uh, was quite a good subject to do um i just moved my microphone a little bit closer sorry if you heard some noise uh that's i mean it's it's a nothing cliffhanger really but it's uh uh it, it it adds to the mystery and it's it's sort of efficiently done and it's quite oh why have they why have they built a uh, holographic wall and that's that's sort of nicely done the way that uh, you know Richard Mace walks through it and it's not solid but then Michael Robbins immediately touches it and it is solid that's uh, actually a very simple looking um, but but very nifty sort of oh how did they do that effect because of the, the the speed at which he does it i actually think that's really very well done that effect that's very nice because uh, it doesn't draw attention to itself too much but the minute you start thinking about it you go but hang on because oh oh was so the wall is there so how did they walk through it because but if it's not there i can see why they might walk through it and it's put there in post and blah, blah. anyway good so good uh i'm gonna rob the place i am a highwayman <laughs> i do like that um I quite like how how the doctor Davison is quite good at being peeved with people, and the doctor does think that you know sort of does treat Richard Mace as though he's a bit of a twit, <laughs> which I rather like. Oh, doesn't it? Yeah, because doesn't he sort of say to him, "Yeah, you you know, Nick, this we're going. To, nice to meet you. Off we go." Um, again, yeah, there you go. Help yourself. Um, uh, you know, Saywood thrives on this sort of um, testy dialogue and this sort of people being sarcastic with each other. But it's it's actually quite refreshing for Doctor. It's quite a nice dynamic. And you can see when you see what his influences are, um, you know, and that he loves gangsters and all of the, 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 the TV series. Not that, I'm not saying that Eric Saywood hang, hung around with Roddy and Reggie Cray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but, um, uh, uh, but, um, um, uh, nectar. Oh, what does that taste like? That's quite fun. Uh, um, actually reminds me of one of my kids when he was younger, that sort of bad jokes done with an air of smugness about them. 
<laughs> love that. I love this sequence, actually. Again, musket firing. The, the, the thing's being a bit slow here, but I, I think it's maybe suggesting that it's charging up again because it has that sort of zoom. Uh, you know, I can rationalise that, that it's not that the, the alien's just waiting. Uh, it's uh, the, the android, sorry. It's that it's it zapped Tegan, so then it's charging up again before it can zap again the sound effect sells that to me even if that is me being quite generous because it is quite sort of statically shot but i actually really like that sequence um the, you know the, the specter of death the top of the stairs the the laser gun from its finger um its imperviousness to a musket being fired at it uh zapping Tegan and then people having to make their escape and I, I actually like that sequence I, th I think that's a that's quite an exciting sequence for me um, uh, especially with the doctor you know he, he refuses to run and tries to rouse his friends and the frustration with which he uh, you know whacks the floor and, 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 and even as he's leaving sort of tells one of them to look after the other one um, uh, is is all yeah I, I actually rather like that sequence even, even though it is quite sort of stagey. Certainly today, I think a modern audience would go, uh, you know, I, I expect a few more camera angles. I expect not see people hanging around or, or the alien sort of pointing and waiting and all of that. Yeah, I, I kind of get that maybe time hasn't been kind. But actually, I remember watching this when I was first collecting the videos and, and, and actually thinking, oh, I yeah, that's for, for this period of the show that I, I consider quite a lot of sort of walking around and talking. That's quite a sort of action-y bit that I rather like. I think this design of this android is very, very beautiful. Um, he almost whacked Deacon's head on the door then, didn't he? And I seem to recall that Peter Van Dissel, uh, who plays the android, that's reminded me, somebody... I have a coterie of chums who follow what actors are up to. I'm sure somebody said, oh, I might have read that Peter Van Dissel had died, but I've not featured him in my memoriams, so um, he's somebody I might have to chase um, because he's not been announced. But he was, I'm sure Peter Moffat said, you know, he was quite a, a very respected actor in his native Holland, but uh, had come over here and struggled to work. And of course, it's always going to be very difficult if you're a, a, a you know, a, a non native actors but you know especially if you're from somewhere which gives you a different accent it's immediately going to restrict the number of parts you can play it's easier now in these days and you get a lot of sort of eastern european actors because there are a lot of those sort of parts cropping up now i'm sure they feel the frustration because they often get cast as ne'er-do-wells and that sort of thing and there's you know there's, there's their own the the, uh, the 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 stereotypes of our time now that we'll look back on in 20 years ago why did all the you know, Polish and Ukrainian actors have to play gangsters because I bet we will look back on that and go, God, really? That was a bit, yeah, you know. But but it's not the same with actors from from um, you, you know places like Holland and France. You know, that the um, Western Europe, I suppose you call it. Um, it, it. But they but they have they have their, they just have fewer parts uh, to play full full stop. Um, so playing a non-speaking android um it's probably a decent de you know it's a decent stint it's a nice decent job but uh but if you're used to playing in your in your native land if you're used to playing uh, i don't know cymbeline and coriolanus and all of those then you know what, what what do you do what are you playing in england uh, i was uh, android in doctor who you sure this move's going well for you um michael melia is excellent as the terraleptil leader 
Uh, and it's a shame he doesn't get a name, really. I don't think he's even Terileptil leader in the credits, is he? He's just Terileptil. But I, I remember being quite surprised again when I revisited this, when I started collecting the videos, at actually how much dialogue he gets and what how much sort of character that he has. And he's an actor that is very recognisable, actually, um, but but often playing sort of soldiers or 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 or, or thuggish types. And he was later Eddie Royal, landlord of the the Queen Vic in uh, EastEnders. Um, <clears throat> I actually met him at an audition once for an advert where we'd have ended up being with Peter Crouch, the football, the footballer, uh, and we were all up. I was there. James Quinn, who's in, uh, who's an actor I know very well. He's the voice of the BBC and must say my Doctor Who scarf, but he. Uh, he's also in Flatline, the Doctor Who story later. Um, but we we were all there, you know. So I was I was on the younger edge of people playing uh, up for this part of a football manager. None of us, none of us got it. But it was when I was doing Who's Round, and I'd had a message via, I think, a friend of Michael Melia's son who said uh, uh, he's just done a Doctor Who thing. So you know, uh, so, so he was he wasn't he wasn't particularly key, bothered about being contacted. Um, and 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 I think the special edition of the visitation had just come out where they'd got where they'd got uh, where where they'd got the uh, um, you know the DVD sorry you know where they got the where they've got the um, uh, the, the 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 making of and Michael Melia is is interviewed uh, and so I was like well I don't uh, you know I probably won't get him for who's around and then I walk into this audition and he and he's there and I thought well I better not I better not say anything but it was it was all at around that sort of same time. Um, but odd to think as well that I was watching this as a kid and then one day I was up for the same part because when they do adverts they see people of all different shapes, sizes and ages for the for the same part. But yeah, me and Melia and James Quinn all up for the same part. Um, I, I really like the fact that he's scarred because you think of aliens and alien masks um, and, and the mask is the alienness, you know. But when you give links, bristles, and pop marks, you know, when you give when you give a pterileptil the scar, it's like, well, it's not an alien mask now. It's somebody's face. It's just the face of somebody that looks like an alien. It's that extra level of sort of creativity and character or whatever. Um, here we are back on film again with the, with with the Doctor being really annoyed with Richard Mace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and this glorious film. And I remember there's a book called um, A Day in the Life... Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, a Day in a the Making of a Television Programme? Uh, uh, by Alan Road. Uh, and uh, it concentrates on the visitation. I've got it upstairs. Uh, and so there's lots of pictures of of the making of the visitation. And uh, there's, a, there's a great picture of... Um, uh, Michael Robbins in his Richard Mace gear lighting a fag, you know, and uh, and you can tell. And, and Robbins was on telly a lot at this time, uh, and I think often playing people who had fag. He was in a thing called Fairly Secret Army, but he, he cropped up. Um, he cropped up in all sorts. He was definitely an actor that you knew. But that that voice, that voice of his, is obviously of a man who smoked, you know, at least twenty Benson and Hedges a day. I love this very simple effect or, or slash set. But it's this this very sort of of the entrance to the spaceship with the displaced mud there, and and they go now. I I don't think it ever quite rationalizes with what you see in the studio, but I sort of buy it and I quite like it. Um, yeah, because that exterior that you see there, 
what uh, are we to suggest that they've gone downstairs a little bit doesn't it it never quite rationalizes it but it kind of does enough of the job you know this is go you know that they've sh they've shown them going in so they're going this is it and we're sort of used to insides and outsides not quite matching because that's the very core of the show with the tardis interior not matching its exterior um, but I, and I like the contrast between I'll tell you what the Davison era does very well it does sort of metallic structure sets very very well for a, for a series that can often sort of you know you worry has sort of um, you know insubstantial flats and, and 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 in fact a television industry where you know much much drama of the time you know you you kind of knew that the walls of the police station or, or wherever you were 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 kind of you know yeah were 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 erected flats basically there's there's nice metal and girdery stuff going on here i remember blake 7 series 4 which has a lot of problems but i remember the fact that when they dropped the metal guns on the metal floor it some, somehow felt slightly more sort of spacey and real than the the, the the previous series of Blake 7 which as beautiful as the Liberator is it, it seemed like a sort of it did seem like a set you know and it was a, a, a more of a theatrical set whereas the the uh, the, you know the series four sets you know it seemed to be a policy to go we're gonna we're gonna metal this up a bit and and that that spaceship there with its white clinicalness has the white clinicalness of a, the sort of arc in space thing but actually then that pleasing heft um and solidity of that metal girdering that uh, that just makes it you know rather pleasingly kind of solid um uh and of course, so Sayward's quite quite skillfully, um, you know, split the TARDIS crew up here so that they're uh, they're all doing different things. And um, I I do I feel sad for the uh, I was talking over it, um, or the, the dead rabbit that we saw <laughs> at the hands of the poacher. Uh, sort of think, oh, he's, he's, he's that rabbit's dead. Oh, bless him. Um, yes, and and. You know, I, I, I quite like the, the with the, you know part of the dynamic of this is you know you know they they know that the android is beautiful and made by people with an eye for aesthetics and uh, and and the doctor has to sort of work out you know what if the you know he's he's saying you know they're okay they're but they're benign for now but they might not be and he's got to very cautiously feel his way in to find out what what kind of alien he's dealing with it's not that all aliens are bad he's putting you know he's putting he's put he put he's putting the evidence together to work out what what the nature of the threat is and whether it can be reasoned with uh these guys all look pretty good um uh, but he's got he's got kind of, are you the doctor does he do a bit of that i always th th I, I always think the sort of bumpkin accents that that locals have to put on in these things um i think yeah and i i will talk you know when we get to put that away scythe man you know you go nobody's called scythe man can't you call him roger um which we will get is is it at the it's at the beginning of the next episode um adric 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 um and we've just as i record this Tegan has just returned to Doctor Who after four decades, um, but nice to see about um, Jan Janet Fielding is 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 good fun. 
and uh, I just love I love the story of any actor um, you know coming back to a thing after years later I, I love that sort of sense of continuity I love this I love this bit that that uh, Mace gets his guns out and it looks like he's being quite sort of brave and the doctor's like yeah they're not going to be scared of that and then you add another layer to that when he goes they're not going to be scared of that unless you use them and he goes well I can't use them anyway <laughs> reloaded them so it's it's kind of a little bit of dynamic on a little bit of dynamic he, I, I love the drawing of the guns because he's like you know don't don't mess with me but the doctor's response is of course not to be impressed by guns and he's also going and you know they're hypnotized so that's not going to work but then you get the yeah then you get the gag of <laughs> uh, they're not going to work anyway <laughs> yeah so that's that's a sort of painted flat with some trees on it outside so no that really doesn't that's that really doesn't um match with what's outside i think you needed to to maybe have some steps and give the suggestion that uh, when they when they go into that thing outside that they're, they're they're then descending even if people just sort of you know stooped then got down on their knees or something because that painted that painted uh, curtain with what looked like a tree on it there really ain't doing the job but i like this that the arrow that has been shot at them uh, proves to be the thing that opens the thing. I like all of that, and and I like I like it in this era where every time you sort of pull a switch, uh, you, you've got a little bit of Dick Mills button pushing noise that goes with it that just gives it that that just helps to sell the illusion because it's only when you watch these things without the you know before the before the the the, the and I like the musical score of this before the score has been added but also before the special sounds and that you know everything from that of the scanner to the of of the tardis buttons really just helped to lift the thing from being what it actually is which is you know multi camera soap opera shooting you know on largely you know wooden cardboard well you know wooden plywood um canvas you know artificial set stuff um you, you know that is not not as substantial as the, as the real thing and you need to you need to augment it the senses with everything you can and the special sounds i think particularly in the 80s the special sounds really do add well no in all eras but i i, I think of i think of particularly the button pushing uh in the in the 80s works very nicely now i, I like this that uh you know he's not reporting to camera he's, he's he's sort of reporting in via his thoughts and because he has a sort of primitive brain and he's a bit in awe of the monster and he's a bit scared and all that sort of, it's 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 a slightly unclear and garbled message that's just a little bit of thought there from the writer about the, the practicality of what he's doing and and a way of making it slightly less efficient than you know just going i'm reporting and it just gives it a little edge of believability um it shows he's thought about the science and the science fiction uh, for, for, for no other reason than it just makes it a bit more interesting and makes you um, sort of think about how these things are done and that they, they don't always work smoothly because nothing works smoothly, even, you know, even sci-fi things don't work smoothly. And, of course, it shows us the, the, uh, the, the, the difference between, the, you know, the superior futuristic intellect of the pteroleptils and the sort of primitives whom he has enslaved um so yeah and i i, I mean i loved nissa at this point i wanted to uh 
she she was definitely my favourite, but uh, it wasn't just to do with character. It was because I I uh, how old was I when this was on? At the age of yeah, at the age of eight, eight I held a bit of a candle for Sarah Sutton. Uh, so I I sort of quite liked it that Nissa Nissa was off to do the science, you know, because they do they do actually sort of go, you know, she's she's a scientist. I like these guys up in the trees. They just give it a little bit of. They make it feel sort of real, and that there's a there's an infrastructure of, um, you know, sort of plague protection going on, and it's a sort of efficient way of doing it whilst giving us a, 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 a you know, an interesting visual. Uh, hello, horsey. Um, I like a horse. Uh, that's a horse in the studio. Lovely. Um, so that makes it all. Uh, yeah, that makes it all a bit, just a bit interesting. Um, or is it? No, it's always dangerous when Tobis is interesting. It means the opposite. Uh, so we, yes. <laughs> um, but, oh yes, and now then, how do we feel about the music? I like this score, because I think it's quite atmospheric. Um, but I, I, I do think a, a radiophonic if that's what this is, is that what we call it a synthesized score with with modern weaponry not weaponry with modern instrumentation well it works of course you know on these glowing like the lighting in that spaceship is excellent uh, even though the walls are obviously a little bit phony but that's okay that's okay um the, the old black rat in his flea but do, I, I i i sometimes feel that you know a house style is all well and good like the you know costumes and like the fact that you know that Nathan Turner had turned his back on Dudley Simpson and gone for radiophonic workshop type synthesized scores but I, I wonder if because Doctor Who benefits from being you know a different show every story yeah it has that has certain consistencies of character and you know wit and obviously sci-fi but to go oh we're, we're set in the past why don't why don't we have a score made of you know, traditional instrumentation. Uh, hope you know this means I've surrendered. Uh, yeah, that was fun. And it's got Adric out of there, but kept Tegan. I mean, it's a, as I say, some of that, that sort of capture escapey stuff is a, is a little bit laboured and stagey in its, in its, in its realisation, but that's the nature of doing this stuff on, on multi-camera really. But yeah, I wonder if, I do like the score for this, but I, I wonder if it would be more distinct if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't synthesised. Um, plague carriers. Uh, uh, and I remember being actually quite pleased that, um, you just, uh, like the way he gets his hair out of his eyes as well. Hey, there's Scythe Man. Roger the Scythe Man, um, and I remember being quite pleased at the time that Dave, that the Doctor said not again because we had previously had uh, threatened decapitation at cliffhanger time uh, in Four to Doomsday. And I was like, oh, I quite like that because as a regular viewer, uh, you're referencing the story what I have just watched. Now I sort of think you have to know you're in a cliffhanger. And also you have to know that the most important thing about your imminent demise isn't that you're about to have your head chopped off. It's that it's the way you nearly died last time. 
it's I I think the metaness that was slightly pleasing to me as a kid is is faintly bonkers now. I mean, yeah, I'll I mean I'll live with it. But um, and as I said, I liked it at the time. Uh, but um, and I think it was a suggestion of Davison's, wasn't it? That he's like this this has happened, you know. Recently, shall I refer to that? And everyone's gone. What a marvelous idea! I, I'm now not sure how marvelous an idea uh, it, it is, but. It, it makes me chortle. Its existence makes me chortle. And I liked it at the time. So in a way, uh, job done. Um, my favourite thing about episode two, I think, well, I think I need to get in there early. I think it has to be uh, the Terileptil. I think particularly I like the fact that he's scarred. I think that just uh, well I, I explained before about how it, it it stops it becoming a mask and a costume then and it actually becomes you know something that's happened to somebody's face and you don't think of monsters having a face you think of oh that's a good mask or blah 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 so it, it just gives it an extra layer of uh, i will use the word verisimilitude and it also helps that michael melia is giving it a good characterization and he's and he's and he's got a bit of bite to his performance as well it's not a sort of grandstanding shakespearean thing that he's doing he's 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 actually a very good character the terileptal leader and as we'll discover he's got some great scenes with davison uh in the in the next episode um but it's and that animatronic is is for the time very good his mouth is moving you know i've, I've just you know not 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 too long ago this year, uh, I saw some sea devils whose mouth moved by uh, it, what looked to me people poking the screen from behind with their fingers uh, in a very modern episode of Doctor Who. So to have a, a mobile mouth and, that, as I say, that very advanced uh, animatronic, it's a good performance. I think the character's well written. And I love now that we have that, you know, that, that, that set that he inhabits that is you know, modern and computer banks with Dick Mills's point noises, uh, and contrasted with the with the with the old. But so yeah, so the Terileptil, the Terileptil leader, um, costume characterization, performance, um, and particularly those scars, which as we will discover uh, from what does he say, they're not uh, natural to my physiognomy or something. I, I love all of that. So maybe I should have saved it for next week, but. Uh, no, I'm going to choose, because he's been introduced this week, I'm going to choose, and if Richard chooses him next episode, I will still get the points because I've chosen it first. I can only not choose something if Richard has already chosen it. Now, of course, the disadvantage I have there is that if I get the point for this, for what Richard chooses next time, it means I won't get any point this time, and I won't get the point for what I choose next time. So it's not it's not all it's not all gravy for me. Anyway, what is Rich choosing for part two? The second thing I'd like to choose from episode two uh, would be the resolution of the cliffhanger. Oh. <laughs> which is slightly ridiculous, really, in that um, Nyssa and Tegan are calling for the Doctor as he's disappeared down the flight of stairs, only for him to poke his head through the wall and say, yes. Uh, now, I quite like that. It's a bit of a gag. But also, it strikes me, for those of you that are familiar with Big Finish, um, a company that produced audio adventures for the classic Doctors, they tend to uh, insert stories into the sort of line of adventures from the TV series. And I think there's a perfect opportunity. What did the Doctor get up to while he was behind that wall? He could have had a, had a whole series of adventures 
uh, that we don't know about. And it always seemed to me that there would be quite a promising gap. Ha! Very good. <laughs> well, I, I don't think I would have ever got there, but that's quite a nice choice. Well, and I've invoked the power of the Doctor talking about um, uh, uh, Tegan, Janet Fielding. There's a moment in that where Ace is on the roof with Tegan and then the door and then Tegan goes, I'm going downstairs and the door shuts uh, and Tegan goes downstairs to have adventures with uh, Kate Lethbridge-Stewart and we cut back to Ace about, <laughs> about 15 minutes later and she's still on the roof and you go, what's she been doing for the past 15? She got right, I'm going to get my ladder out now or my parachute or whatever and <laughs> I think I think Big Finish have got a good good, good, good you can find a whole season of Ace on the roof adventures there so yeah, always looking for places to, to sneak in uh, sneak in uh, uh, big big finish box sets. Um, well, I wasn't going to choose that, but uh, it is quite fun. I yeah, I, because all you know cliffhangers can very very much be much of a much of a muchness, and that that's that's a sort of slightly artificial one really. But I I don't mind it because it's a bit different. Um, it's it's not a huge letdown because it's just a kind of because the cliffhanger itself is just a kind of big question mark it's a sort of quizzical oh uh and then you know yeah why, why have they bricked up the wall oh, you, and you, you know it's a good job nobody lent on that wall or whatever but um i i like it I, for some reason it's it's sort of slightly more than a sum of its parts it's quite charming and and just you know suitably different i think which which sometimes is all you want from a show that can sometimes if you're not careful in one era become quite formulaic formulaic or do the the same things or give the same vibe over and over again so yeah i'll accept your choice richard even though i probably would not have ever chosen that so uh that's the first two parts of the visitation uh the next episode is uh oh well it's one that's going to be quite sad because uh we will say goodbye to an old friend, which was enough reason for me to have a real downer uh, on this story at the time uh, and stop me fully liking it, even though it was much more up my street than the, the mathematical, philosophical stuff uh, that uh, that uh, sort of led up to it. But uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying it, particularly, you know, that, yeah, the, the Terileptil and the Richard Mace and the and the, the mix of future and past which uh, you know makes it's it's that uh, yes that that juxtaposition of uh, of of you know spaceships and uh, spaceships and breaches laser guns and muskets uh, the old and the new uh, michael robbins from on the buses uh, and space travel ha <laughs> ha ah yes it's a, it's a very nice place to be so um do join do join me uh, next time that we have more uh, old versus new and a little bit of, uh, well, out with the old because of the new uh, in next week's happy, but for a moment, very sad times and places. Ta-ta. Well, thanks ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Richard James, who can be found on Twitter at Richard N. James. I'm grateful to Richard and to the patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Reese Williams, Chris Williams, Rich Wiggins, Kevin West, Peter Ware, Gavin Ware, Alistair Wallace, Jeff Walker, Ian Dean, Chris Foam, Paul Loveday, Damien Cartin, Fleet Boy, Matt Sawyer, Paul Lindblad, David Shepherdson, Jess Jerkovic, Andrew Hodson, 
Kevin Murdoch, Richard Baker, Andy Larson, Tom Hunter-Watts, Christopher Meredith, Luke Cannington, Joanne Abbott, Paul Carrington, Neil Adam, Andrew Fordham, The Missing Episodes Doctor Who Podcast, Simon Barker and Stephen Moffat. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Did you like hearing those names read out? Would you like yours to be one of those names being read out in a way that you liked? That's if you liked the way those names were read out. If you didn't, well, you could have your name read out in a way that you don't like, or you could campaign for the reading of the names to be better, all if you were a patron at www. Nobody says that anymore. I just have twice. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, you can be a patron of these podcasts. And what that gives you is your name read out on the credits in a way you might like or not, uh, as well as bonus releases, advanced material, everything uh, reaches patrons before it reaches anybody else in the case of Happy Times and Places by six months. Uh, in the case of too much information and indefinable magic, by, by about six weeks to a couple of months. Uh, and there's also bonus material as I'm recording this. Uh, one of the bonus materials was a Radio 4 tribute to Patrick Troughton that we then discovered didn't exist in the BBC archive. Uh, one of my patrons pointed that out. And so something was returned that was hitherto missing. So it's all go there at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock and you get a 10% discount uh, whatever tier you're at if you sign up for a year in one go. But look, a monthly commitment, uh, even of £3 a month, is very difficult for many, I'm sure. And also, it's not necessarily the way of doing things. We consume, there's so much uh, free entertainment out there, and it's, you know, what we're expected to do. And I accept that. That is the landscape in which one plies one's trade these days. But occasionally, it might be that you're feeling a bit flush, or there's a podcast you particularly like, and without any monthly commitment, but therefore without any of the bonuses, I'm afraid, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock, and it's like buying me a virtual coffee but I'm not obliged to spend what you give uh, it's usually in three pound denominations but you can give whatever you like uh, I'm not obliged to spend it on coffee which is presumably why Kofi spells coffee differently um, well also it would be well anyway let's not get into that uh, but yes you can do that kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock but as I say I know times are tough and uh, I'm just grateful to you for listening to these. But if you are enjoying them, what costs you nothing is to go to iTunes or to Podbean or to Spotify, everywhere that you can on cyberspace and say nice things about them. A five star review really helps. That helps to, you know, enables me to stick my head above the parapet because, you know, teetering on the brink of the parapet are all the other uh, Doctor Who podcasts and there's some mighty fine ones amongst them. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a crowded area. So I just like to stick my head, um, what, above the parapet and out of the crowd. It's a, yeah, there's a crowd on the, on the parapet, under the parapet. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> please don't give me any stars for brevity. Fortunately, it's not, yeah, there's not a scale of that. Um, delivery, delivery, brevity, facts. Um, but yeah, please score these five stars.
Yeah, it could be like an Amazon review, couldn't it? Where it says, you know, value for money and uh, uh, um, uh, performance, you know, and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, you could have diction, uh, <laughs> facts, definitely. Yeah, brevity, I would score very badly on. Although there are some some doctors, I've taken part in a few where you, I remember in the early days of podcasts, um, promising to take part in one and uh and that guy said oh well how about you know whatever tuesday afternoon and i was like yeah what two till three and he was like so, so two till half past and he was like well no i was thinking more like two till five and it's like what two two hours my goodness um but of course uh it is it can be quite a long form thing and i i'm never sure um how long because sometimes you know i'll look at a podcast and i'll go only 25 minutes and then I'll have to get my phone out of my pocket and line up another one especially if I'm running or something which I haven't been recently um, um, and, and you know I prefer something that sort of hits the hour but when I was doing the Who's Rounds I was told oh no no you know cut it down to half an hour so there's a few of the earlier Who's Rounds I think the Vernon Dobcheff and the Edmund Pegg which, which could have been a lot longer but I'd gotten into the thing of going no no they have to be half an hour but that took so long to cut them down um, uh and actually, a lot of people, you know, preferred the, the longer form. So you never know. I mean, this is proof that I don't really know what I'm doing. But um, with these, I just, um, well, I'm, it's the length of the episode, isn't it? And then the length of the other person's contribution, which I'd never cut down. And then uh, whatever I decide to say afterwards. And sometimes I'm on a roll and sometimes I run out of steam. Uh, so, but the beauty is, of course, I don't have to fill a time slot. That's this brave new world again of... Uh, uh, I mean, we I watched we watched a series the other day. It's called The Bear on Disney Plus. Uh, very very good uh, depiction of life in a kitchen. Uh, some superb performances too. Um, but one episode was twenty minutes long, and then the next episode was forty eight or something. You go well, we you can do that when you're not having to fit into a time slot. Uh, I wonder if that will be no, because Doctor Who has to be broadcast on uh, terrestrial first. So don't think it will affect and I have to say I, I think sometimes being tied to a particular time slot you know any any constraint I think can sometimes you know be the be the mother or father of of invention so uh you know this brave new world is not necessarily all it's cracked up to be because you know it's arguable I should have stopped talking <laughs> ages ago <laughs> and so maybe maybe I'll do that now um <laughs> So there, I get five for for self sacrifice. Yeah, brevity, diction, content, facts, um, magnanimity, self sacrifice, um, uh, which I, in fact those stars are depleting as I continue talking. Um, right, um, I'm, it's five stars though for finishing now.